Coronavirus is the biggest threat this country has faced for decades. We're seeing the devastating impact of this invisible killer. There will come a moment when no health service in the world could possibly cope because there won't be enough ventilators, enough intensive care beds, enough doctors and nurses. That is the moment of real danger. The new variant is out of control and we need to bring it under control. And this news about the new variant has been a uh, an incredibly difficult end to, frankly, an awful year. And it's important for everybody to act, essentially act like they might have the virus. And that's the way that we can control it together. The way ahead is hard. And it is still true that many lives will sadly be lost. Our advisory group on new and emerging Respiratory virus threats, nerve tag, has spent the last few days analyzing this new variant. It may be up to 70% more transmissible than the old variant, the original version of the disease. You, you might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Assume you might be infectious, assume you might be infectious, and that's the way that we have to behave at this moment. Today, the United Kingdom's chief medical officers have advised that the country should move to alert level five, meaning that uh, if action is not taken, NHS capacity may be overwhelmed within 21 days. And it's going to spread further. And I, I must level with you, level with the, the British public. Um, more families, uh, many more families are going to lose loved ones before their time. Your colleague on stage, John Edmonds, has just sent me a statement saying that as far as he's concerned, this is the worst moment of the epidemic because of the extraordinary inf infectivity of this new strain. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, this is a horrible moment for sure. I just say, as I'm really sorry to hear about your two relatives who died from this virus. I mean, it is a very dangerous virus uh, for many people. We're looking to move to a different regime, so as we come to the fourth step, we will change the basic tools that we have used to control human behaviour.
doctor reading that little line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually playing with. Yeah, in a group they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. They do not fucking understand. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. And uh, yeah, say I've retired him for a while. Uh, welcome, 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 everyone. It's uh, Jihad Science Show and a uh, special one today because we're going to be speaking with uh, Spartacus. It's my desk somewhat. Uh, it's somewhat chaotic in the McCann household at the moment. Uh, it's like moving through treacle. It's so fucking hot. Uh, and the kids, I have, to, I have to let them use my computer when... Um, when daddy's not because uh, otherwise our power trips all right uh let me bring on the man himself and let's get into this and uh yes whilst we're waiting for uh spartacus um hey how's it going hey bro how are you pretty good oh that uh that mic sound in uh resonant sir Oh, the the road? Yeah. Um, yeah, my face is a little close to the mic. Uh, let me see if I can move back. No, it's good, bro. <laughs> it's... Oh. <laughs> um, it's got that, got that radio uh, timber to it, so... It, it does sound a lot better than the last mic I was using. I was, I was using a Razer before. It just didn't quite have the um, the level of bass that this mic does. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got Charles one in the week, a little sound setup and what have you and uh man they're not cheap <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and uh so yeah i i lately i've been looking into um some really disturbing stuff um 
and uh, I kind of put together. Color, a color list. me not surprised. Dude. <laughs> I, I'm just hanging on to the uh, arms of my chair as you uh, as you step forth into the uh, you bring forth the little, demons. Yeah, <laughs> I put together a little list here um, of some topics that I wanted to go over. Um, but one of the, the main things that I was thinking about um, here was uh, the. Uh, the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein, the the S1 subunit, has a motif on it with a similarity to Galactin-3. Okay. Uh, th this is something that's been discussed for a while now. Um, let me see. If not I can not really on my radar, to tell the truth. So um, you might want to explain. Well, like beta galactase and whatever is a sugar. Um, no, it's a yeah, a galactin three. Um, it's so I presume um, it's some enzyme that's uh, chopping it up or something. <laughs> what it does is it this actually um, activates inflammation. Oh, uh, let me see what I got here. Um, I have a paper right here that I linked to the the S one subunit of the SARS CoV two spike protein activates human monocytes to produce cytokines linked to, to COVID-19 relevance to galactin-3. And okay. let's see if there's another paper here. Um, uh, yes, that's that's the one. Um, and uh, I guess in the current environment where... I don't know about you, dude, but I'm I'm waking up in shock. Every yeah. day, um, <laughs> there's something new that's uh, yeah even more disturbing than yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and um, look, love him or hate him, RFK is uh, dropping you know contentious subjects onto the onto the public discourse. And, Some really wild stuff, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't, I'm not sure about wild. I mean, the the manuscripts are there to back up what he says. Um, yes. And well, I also I've I've known about the um, the SARS-CoV-2 um, that the differential in electrostatic attraction to the different. Uh, um, yeah. My, so, so my question is: um, <laughs> is there is there variance in this epitope that uh, we're looking at? That's that's where my brain goes right now because there was a paper um, paper out in Nature. I say yesterday or today, and basically, some human leukocyte gene. I want to say, but basically, um, in their in this cohort that they were measuring, these people could be asymptomatic and mm -hmm. not not show symptoms. Basically, yeah, so, certain certain genetic variants, and that again just points to elements that can be tweaked in my mind um depending on what it is that you're looking to achieve a sign of possible engineering yeah mm. uh let's see arkosh kovash says john paul claims to have been way ahead of the curve on collecting too bad he doesn't always play nice with others kind of a loner uh all things hidden that guy yeah he's um does his thing i guess um, I'd rather listen to Spartacus talk about uh, beta galactase. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, 
here in the abstract, it says um, of that paper, it says it is further known that the spike protein S of SARS-CoV-2, as first reported for other beta coronaviruses, possesses a so-called galactin fold within the N-terminal domain of the S1 subunit. This fold or pocket shows structural homology nearly identical to that of human galactin-3. Mm. Oh dear. So. <laughs> <laughs> It ain't looking good for the uh, the zoonosis, the zoonati yeah. types. Yeah, right? um, but not just that. It's like so you have this this protein, the spike protein that has all these different motifs on it that have um, high homology to human proteins. What are we even doing? Are we in, inducing um, loss of self tolerance there? Mm, yeah, it's, um, it's something I've heard many people speak about and you know that it's not it's there are multiple epitopes that just have um similarity to i want to say and maybe people are just speaking about this one but um i've got distant memories of a year or so ago where there was um there was a paper looking at the um similarity between spike protein maybe it was other other proteins in the virus as well but um, yeah, it's it, it's something that could be serious. Yeah. Maybe it's already a serious problem um, if all this excess death could be linked back to something. Um, I mean, who's who's the the black guy? V, v John. Yeah. Uh, sure. He often has Gert van der Bosch on. Oh. And, and I want to say his name is. And one of his things is just about autoimmunity and cascades from not only SARS, but the gene transfection shots as speaking well. Speaking of which, speaking of which, um, over the past several months, um, Kevin McKernan and and his his team, uh, not to be not to be confused with you. <laughs> I see I see people doing that often. Uh, um, actually, um, have been digging into uh, DNA plasmid contamination in the in the Pfizer vaccines. Um, it I've seems been, almost like there's. I've been speaking with him uh, regularly about it. I mean, I had uh, samples ready to go for him. Um, so I've got cold chained sealed. And, nice. Um, been trying to get someone to pick. We we thought we had someone who was going to do it in Japan, and they um, they haven't come through. And uh, companies that I've approached uh, seem reluctant. It, so, it it seems like it seems like there's very little consistency from one vial to the next as to what these things actually contain. Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, you can put one vial through like a Bruker spectrometer and find like no phosphorus. And then you can put another one through and, and find a bunch of DNA contamination. So no quality control. Yeah. And you know, the problem is, is that that's a tractable problem, right? For them to, uh, to, fix basically and then they can say oh we have 
fixed it and um, everything goes down this mRNA lipid pathway. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's what, what Kev found with the plasmids and the, and, and that's been repeated now, right? He's uh, two yep. other labs. Um, it's been so, recently corroborated. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the, look, man, but <laughs> no one could give informed consent to that shit. Right. The, the SV40 promoter sequence. <laughs> right. It's, this is just shocking stuff that's, that keeps coming out like day after day. Um, and um, in Florida recently, um, you know, a whole county is, is saying, you know, um, this oh, God, stuff's yeah. poison. I, I saw that, dude. I saw that. Yep. I, I actually had it in uh, my tabs the other day. We were looking at it and I was just bashing my head on the desk because that their references were oh god what's the movie called Sudden, uh, died suddenly and oh yeah that's that's their references that they're using and another one was well basically graphene oxide and von Jankovic's the spitter the splot the slide spitter Oh man! Yeah, it's just it what's what's so infuriating about that is that there's a lot better evidence out there that these things are poison. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they just keep, you know, basically I, only covering the grifters, I guess. It, it just shows the danger of that information, right? And you know, for those that put time and effort into of working through this stuff um yeah it's it's disappointing because you know we're we're trying to go down the grand jury route and if that one fails because of slack referencing for example i think it would just mm -hmm. make our job that much more difficult and the the thing is florida would be one of the more favorable states to actually do this type of investigation of course and yeah that's uh not good dude <laughs> yeah yeah it really isn't um another thing is the igg4 class switch mm. uh, immunoglobulin g4 <laughs> yeah it, um again it's just mind-blowing right Repeat vaccination is inducing immune tolerance to, to the spike protein. Mm. Um, I think part of that, it, wouldn't that basically be partly because of the mechanism? I mean, think, think about it. We have a bunch of human cells here that are presenting a foreign viral antigen on their surfaces, and the body basically has to tell itself, look, you know, we have to stop the immune system has to stop targeting this protein has to start tolerating it, tolerating it like an antigen. I mean, like, I just mean like a, like a, like an allergen rather. Yeah. So, um, and. Well, the, the frustrating thing with that is it, it's not like it was an unknown effect from vaccination or over vaccination. Um, this is, I want to say the HIV literature is sort of littered with, um, these, these, failures and 
you know i've i've tried maybe maybe you've got a better idea of the pathologies that occur but they do they do seem to be distinct um have you seen um the article um on substack by adam gartner uh igg4 antibody class switch end of the line uh no i haven't the last one i saw from him was about amyloidosis i just uh linked it right there so and um, it kind of go goes into detail about um why this is bad <laughs> yes um, and again it's one it's one of those things where you know, you've i've i've literally heard people saying oh you know it's nothing to worry about etc and I'm like how do you how do you know who's done the who's done the experiments here and how, are we going to find the is there going to be motivation to look for that, that that those types of pathologies which could emerge due to something like this? And I, I honestly don't think that there would be at the moment. If um, if someone develops tolerance to to spike, um, they could have a much much worse infection when they actually come in contact with the virus. Yeah. So imagine, yeah, imagine that. Uh... <laughs> imagine that with. Uh... Look, once once you put on the biowarfare goggles, right? <laughs> you just like okay, um, you know, I, I would have I would have never have thought about class switching or anything, you know, until it was published. But you know, it just ticks a box, right, in the in the list of uh, desirable responses that you would want to inflict on people, and you know, there's. And Japan has stopped collating data. Right? It used to have a great dashboard. And we're, we're going through quite a significant wave. It got Charles the other week. Charles will pop on in a minute. He's doing um, recon at the moment at mm. that area. But he'll, he'll pop on soon. Um, the... <laughs> If you if you were to build something into your weapon system, you know, disarming the uh, the target population and their ability to mount an immune response ranks right up there, right? That's particularly with um, the DC sign um, activity and um, microglial activity. All of all of these things are poorly understood i would i would say and the well we're, we're being led by incompetence That's yeah the, or or malicious demons i take your pick <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i think in this case i after everything i've seen so far i'd be more willing to attribute it to malice um well the game theory approaches that you have to until you can disprove otherwise and the problem is is that we see more and more data racking up in the um into the nefarious column right and you know it's i, I presumed you watched the senate hearing right 
last week. Uh, seen bits and pieces. So, you know, um, they were they were talking with Charles prior to that, and you know, the thing is, they gave them prepared questions already, and um, Charles showed me that. <laughs> you know, there's plenty, plenty that they could um, hammer them on much, much harder, and then. Basically, they just I should let Charles tell the tale when he gets. Um... So basically, they went soft on him. Yeah, yeah, and it's <laughs> this, is... this. These hearings are basically staged. They they're doing this as a pressure release valve to make people think that they're doing something when they're not. Any any time, like for instance, well, I mean, obviously, we don't agree with like everything that Sasha Latapova says, for instance, but. Every time that she's brought up to like to Senator uh, uh, Ron Johnson about the um, uh, the other transaction authority, oh yeah, the use yeah. of the of OTAs. Mm-mm. Yeah, I wish, um, she, I wish she would just stick on that, bro. I mean, she's, yeah, she's got that nailed down. Um, Going out and pushing viruses but, aren't real, and yeah, there's no need to go off on a tangent like that. It's um, the the fact that these vaccines are obtained under OTAs is disturbing enough on its own. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Catherine Watt. That ba- Ballywick news. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um. The the legal frameworks that yeah. they used, the way they the the erosion of people's rights and and pharmaceutical safety laws uh, over many many years, um, essentially to find a gap to be able to to like mass poison people. Mm. It, that shows intent. Yes, um, it's really disturbing. Yeah, and just that, you know laying out the. Oh, how much of the defense biowarfare infrastructure was involved? You know, that's that's enough to well to to you know really apply pressure. Yet, boom, she goes off into um, viruses aren't real. The uh, they're full of graphene, and uh, what was yeah. the other one she had recently? Oh yeah. <laughs> Me and Charles watched it before we went to uh, Hiroshima, which was... She, it wasn't her, it was uh, another individual. Nukes aren't real. Oh, right, right. And, um, you know, there was... Ah, you know, there were some interesting points. I was I was looking around Hiroshima with a BDI afterwards. But nice. <laughs> the, uh, I'm, I'm not sold on the... That it was, you know, a mass plane firestorm attack. Right? No, um, it doesn't. It doesn't fit with, you know, the. Oh, I don't doesn't know, fit with the witness testimony. No, you know, there's there's one really striking image of just the um, burns, like like well. I guess they, yeah, you could say like X-ray burns through cloth, and like you could see the, you know, in like high definition where there was darker patches on what someone was wearing. Yep. That let and you know, firebomb don't do that. 
Yeah, they also don't completely vaporize people and leave behind a shadow on mm. the ground. Mm. Yeah, that that little bit of paving and what have you is in the museum. Um, it was kind of kind of hard to make out that it was. Um, that's what it was, but you know, look, was was there some fuckery around um, nuclear weapons when they were? coming out yeah for sure right? of course um but you know i i think we got that tech nailed down now dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, just, the physics behind them are pretty sound right and you know i've i've worked with uh linear accelerators and radioactive isotopes and um you know <laughs> yep those machines cost uh millions and millions of dollars but you know, it it does what it's supposed to do, and um, you know, I, I could put the Geiger counter next to stuff. You know, we had to we had to use a what was it, gallidinium point source in the in the in the imager prior to sort of putting your um, test subject in, what have you. Nice. And yeah, you put your your. Uh, Geiger counter, and yeah, you you hear uh, all those strange noises. Um, I think that's kind of real, right? It seems. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I think Fukushima was uh, was real. Um, yep. Uh, you know what? I guess uh, their argument is is that. Just the explosive part is not... You can make energy with it, right? But you, you can't make them go boom. Right. So I've seen this this argument before. People are like, you know, um, nuclear bombs aren't real. They they can't, like, explode like that or with that much energy. Um, and basically the whole thing is, is psychological warfare that's been ongoing for, for decades to, uh, to force a stalemate between... Um, Russia and, and and the U.S. and uh, and prevent another hot war from from occurring in that time period. And really, it just this theory just doesn't hold water. It it does not. I mean, there was so much witness testimony of nuclear bomb tests, for instance. Um, and of course, they'll say, "Oh no, no, no! Those were just huge conventional bombs." They you see they piled up. Like a million tons of TNT <laughs> in one spot, and uh, well, I mean, if, if you get it's like <laughs> I saw a clip this morning where very unlikely, yeah, just the the energy release, and you know, you've even got things like seismographs able to sort of pick pick them up, right? And so you know, the really big tests, they're they're a seismographic records for those and um what's i want to say it was like uh tsar bomber they could detect that rattling around the earth a couple of times right i've been playing this um this really really awesome video game uh called children of a dead earth and it, it's um it's kind of like oh you, you know about um like kerbal space program yes Yes. It's it's kind of like a realistic uh, 
uh, space simulator, but instead of um, simulating space exploration, it simulates space combat. Okay. And it has a realistic material simulation in it, and you can design your own your own weapons and your own modules and and stuff. Um, basically, I mean, you can select all all the materials individually. Like like if you want to have um, like five mil, like centimeters of of aluminum armor on your ship, or or maybe five millimeters of osmium, or or whatever, it actually does all the the physics physics calculations. It actually goes through and figures out. Based on the uh, the yield strength of the material, whether or not uh, a railgun round should be able to penetrate through it, and so on and so forth. And as you go through the materials, it, it lists off their their yield strengths, their thermal and electrical conductivity, stuff like that. So it's it's actually a really really accurate simulation. It's I mean it's available on Steam for like oh twenty bucks, and I think it was developed by like one guy in his basement. So it's oh god, um, I'm. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> i've wasted so many hours playing computer games dude now my kids do it for me um uh. it's um but in in that game you can actually design nuclear weapons and you have to actually get the um the ratios of the fizzle material correct to be able to, to um uh, consume all of it in the reaction and and not have you know leftover material um and make it, ideally, it'll it'll be as efficient as possible for a given quantity of fissile material, because otherwise, you're just wasting money, right? So right, right, right. <laughs> it's um, and look, and one thing we Homo sapiens have got down over the last century or so is material science, right? Yep. Um, the the precision of the engineering. Right, and just... There's there's a lot there's a lot further to go in material science. I mean, we haven't even come close to to where we could be with it. Um, th- well, I the, mean, the, the, this is the question, right? What what's it going to be used for? Right, peaceful or hostile purposes. And the problem right now is everything just leans into the hostile side of the equation <laughs> i'm just right um, yeah, the reason we have those uh those ion beams and the radioisotopes that we were using that's because of all the nuclear chemistry they did and um yeah and what did they do with it <laughs> right it's that 300,000 people <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um it's um the thing about it is that the way things are going right now um material science is going to have a lot of overlap um with i mean further advances in material science are going to have a lot of overlap with synthetic biology yeah. and nano and nanotechnology mm-hmm. um not just like made of materials but also like like biomimetics um where they they um try and emulate biological processes in the formation of materials, stuff like that. Um, you know about uh, AlphaFold and AlphaFold 2? Yes, of course. Um, um, it's uh, in the past few years, uh, they've come up with these AI simulations that are able to accurately um, figure out how a protein will fold with a given sequence to, um, to the point where They've almost solved the the protein folding problem, not completely, 
Um, it's not perfectly accurate to real life, but it's very, very close. Um, and these, these new machine learning models are capable of coming up with approximations of protein structure that are very close to reality. And what, once you do that, and once you, you start plugging these values into to various artificial intelligences, um, it's, I mean, it's only a matter of time uh, before they, they, they start designing proteins from scratch to to perform specific tasks and one of the ways they might do that is by uh for instance blending um different artificial intelligences together like taking one ai and feeding its output into the into a protein folding simulation ai and so on um so they they might like concatenate multiple artificial intelligences together to form a sort of a hybrid uh, set up that um, well, we've just seen in the last few months, really, like the ChatGPT and like it, its emergence onto the the scene. And you know, I I keep an eye on the, the news from that type of thing. And you know, they're already talking about oh, it's displaying sort of emergent behaviors that we we weren't expecting and. Um, exactly. Who knows what they're they're gonna unleash? And you know, I guess there's a metaphysical question about whether it's really conscious or not. But right. Um, the the fact that you start seeing these unpredictable effects, and they're well. You, there's a there's many many ways you can go wrong right and the behavior that emerges just it's a nonsense machine and so you have to learn learn when it's telling you nonsense but um you know my understanding about these large language models is that they the emergence of these and complex actual behaviors that were functional was just catching people completely unawares and you know i'm i don't say you, know, you don't live your life thinking oh god the uh <laughs> that terminator's coming to get me but the um it's surely gonna have an impact dude right yeah um even even just a, a social level right um you could so, like, picture if you had an artificial intelligence that could go over BLAST databases or um, go over, like, a protein data bank and look at the functions of existing proteins and from that figure out which sequences um, are correlated with which types of activity. And if you ask it to design a protein, um, it could actually, it would just spit out an amino acid sequence that, that is as close as possible to the, to the desired function. And then, um, and then you can send it over to like AlphaFold or um, one of its descendants, and then it'll it'll give you a simulation of what the folded protein looks like. And then you can send that simulation onto another AI that simulates what that that protein uh, looks like when it docks with another one. Um, basically, we're getting to the point now with these AIs where you could design in whole proteins and maybe even pathways. Uh, entirely in silico without even doing any any cultures. Mm -mm. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, 
Well, you know, I was looking at a paper the other day where they were just, it was they were looking at sort of alpha-synuclein misfolding, right? And, you know, it's a, that's on like really like the periphery of my area of expertise, right? You know, I, I have to have to know about these misfolding proteins, but, you know, they're, the processing, you know, they, they were doing jumps in like nanoseconds of how the, how the protein would move and, and eventually cross a threshold such that uh, the pathological form of misfolding occurs. And, you know, the, the scales and numbers that they were using, it's just hard to um, conceptualize, right? You know, I, I work in sort of, uh, you know, you're, you're grabbing stuff in, yeah, okay, so often sort of 24 kilohertz, 48 kilohertz type signal. And, um, but that's, that's puny compared to the frequencies that they're trying to model in these um, in these peptides, and if they've if they've suddenly reached this event horizon of oh the the machine the machine is seeing stuff that we can't right mm -hmm. and then and then it starts it starts putting stuff together and you would you would have to be one naive mofo to to think that that type of weapons research isn't happening as we speak right now oh yeah it certainly is and the the weaponization potential of this technology being able to do this this stuff in, in silico um is enormous and i think in a matter of, of a couple of years or so we're going to see things like whole genome synthesis where they can they can come up with a virus entirely in silico that has never existed in nature before well it may be that they they would take cues from nature anyway, right? Because I, th I think this is what we see with SARS, right? The 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 backbone of the coronavirus, etc., is um, I don't want to say constant, constant among the different clades, but you know, there's enough enough overlap that I think I'm just wondering how much would the machine try to beat nature per se? Um, probably right. emulate it yeah yeah and so um you see these problematic epitopes in some minimal number of nucleotides that you would need such that it has the effect that you want but it's not it's not it, it's it's a space packing problem right right um look I, I could well imagine SARS being a product of that. It, it just has too many, too many of these coincidental, not coincidental, toxic, just toxic epitopes in just too many spots that are just too convenient. <laughs> and this is, uh, well, this is this is what's sort of blown up in the last week, right, as the proximal origins people have been, um, well, they were softballed by the Senate. But the, did you see that the report by this, the Republican 
part of that investigation. They put out a report looking at emails and um, and importantly this time there was uh, Slack chats involved. They'd, they'd managed to subpoena Slack chats. And, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they were complaining about that too. I saw that. Yeah. They're yeah. like, what? They're really going to look at all our texts. Right. <laughs> and they... they it was possible with uh, PDF, you know, Adobe PDF Reader, where they'd sort of trimmed down a document to put it into this report, you were able to extract out all the rest of the conversation. And these bastards were well after, you know, even sort of getting through their first drafts and um, ready for submission, despite all the lead up with sketchy meetings and um, burner phones and what have you. And the way that they gaslit the public with, oh, my God, you, you could you've got information disorder. If you if you would dare think that it would come from a lab. Right. And they're literally just saying, oh, it, it looks like it's from a lab. They were rehearsing everything mm. um, and, and trying to figure out what story they were going to feed the public mm. to, uh, to, get, to get across their, essentially, the predetermined uh, assessment mm. um, of the situation, which was the, the natural zoonosis. Yeah. Um, it was... Uh... Which, <laughs> which even they were privately doubting, like yeah. you said. So... Uh... Doubting is too too weak of a word for what they were for what they were arguing. Right? There was, there was they were really there. worried. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and just the lengths that they went to and the shit that they gave people for you know it's a it's a um, normal thing to question something like that, especially when you know you're. Uh, you're engaged in that type of research, but the the machinery that they managed to kick into place, and you know, I'm I'm reminded of the oh, Joe Rogan show. I'm trying to remember the guy's name, Osterholm. Yeah, I think it was Osterholm. Right as as the pandemic was starting. Basically went on there and was just like, "Oh, you know, we can't, we can't do this. Nature, nature is far, far better at um, doing, doing this, and it, it's impossible for us to. The technology isn't there, which was just an outright lie to <laughs> any anyone who's spent. You know, you just have to be within standing distance of scientific, even just like general reporting, like you would get in. Uh, I don't know." Forbes or something, or, or, or right. these intellectual type toilet reads. Um, well, even even the even the sun has has the science in it sometimes. But for them to play so dumb and to think that the public was so dumb, it's just such a sign of the contempt that they have for for the public. At large, yep. <laughs> kind of it was it's, um, kind of outrageous, really. Oh God, yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, but it is part of an ongoing pattern. 
uh, if we look back at Edward Hammond and um, uh, what is the the Cambridge Working Group and all the and uh, the Sunshine Project and all those guys have been trying to, to essentially trying to uh, blow the whistle for years on um, the proliferation of biosafety labs mm. in the U.S. Um, Sunshine Project—he's uh, not around anymore, though, right? That's um... no. This was uh, that was defunct in two thousand eight. But but you, but you see him around on Twitter occasionally. Um, there was a, a a bit of a disagreement between um, Bryce Nichols and uh, Jihee Leaks, um, as I recall, um, a few months ago, because Bryce Nichols wouldn't um, uh, speak out against the vaccine mm. and so on and so forth. Well, they know where their bread is buttered. That's the thing. right, and you know they know that the pendulum's going to swing. That they can. Um, they're going to be able to capitalize on sort of grant um, applications, right? Because yeah. that, that that will be the response. And it was the it was part of the defense almost by Gary and um, Anderson. Well, you know, we biosafety is important. Give us more money. <laughs> that's, right. Right. That's, that's, right. <laughs> Did you, did you see um, the transcript of that um, that hearing on uh, BSL three and BSL four labs? No. Um, this this was a congressional hearing back in in two thousand seven. Um, I went ahead and and sent you a link, and then I also posted another link in the chat. Um, so. Let's see here the names of the um, of those present. Um, so you had. Um, let me see here. Uh, it wasn't just Edward Hammond. It was also they also had uh, Gigi Gronval. Oh, um, <laughs> they're they're essentially saying why we need to have all of these biosafety labs built as mm. <laughs> providing the opposite view to what Edward Hammond was saying. So, um, and, uh, it's just, this stuff is really shady. I mean, people have been trying to get disclosure out of these, these, these university associated, uh, BSL three and BSL four labs for years. And they, they've received like, documents that were so redacted there was just the whole thing was just blank so a lot of these these um these labs working with biosecurity stuff are are doing they they know they're doing shady shit yes and they they know that they're working on on things that have um ge serious geopolitical and strategic implications uh very often in in close connection with the Pentagon, the U.S. intelligence community, and so on. And what what has happened in the U.S. over the past twenty years is a lot of the the uh, bio warfare research that used to be done in military labs has kind of crept over yeah. um, into civilian labs, into university labs. And once those labs came under scrutiny in the U.S., um, they started outsourcing that research to. Um, to various other uh, laboratories across across the globe, not just in China. 
uh, not just in Ukraine, but in dozens of countries. You know, Laos, Vietnam, uh, Georgia, you know, the um, the Luger Research Center in Tbilisi, um, which Diliana Gaitajeva uh, did a, a really long and detailed expose on. Um, so, yep. Surprised you're still walking around. But. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, but the thing is, is that these labs affiliated with the Defense Threat Reduction Agency and, and USAID are all over the place. They're all over the globe. And I think part of this outsourcing that they, that they did, I think part of it was, uh, what what they claim, and uh, you know, and and what some people, some insiders claim, is that this was essentially like a jobs program. Like they were doing this just to to make sure that um, uh, bio warfare researchers in other countries who would otherwise be working on um, uh, shady projects for for Russia or China or whatever would, would would instead be distracted by working on on stuff for us that we control kind of a thing. Um, but I don't buy that. I don't buy that. It's, it's just, the thing about it is that the, the direction of the research that, that they were, they were doing the, the emphasis on this gain of function research. And I mean, if, if have, if, if distracting them and occupying their time was the goal, why have them work on something dangerous? Right. So right. it's, yeah, that's, know, a, that's it's, a really good point. Uh, dude and the yeah why weren't they working on making i don't know algae that makes oil or fuel or something yeah <laughs> or pharmaceuticals that that mm. don't that actually help people instead of killing them mm. look I, I was able to take that massive document and crunch it down with chat gpt to one two three four five six seven eight nine ten bullet i points. think Oh, nice. <laughs> I think part of the reason why they, they, they outsourced all this stuff was to escape disclosure. Um, to, to avoid Freedom of Information Act disclosure for any of this. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's often some foreign lab somewhere. They keep all their documentation on site and they, they don't disclose anything. So they, they started doing it, doing it all through middlemen like... Metabiota, EcoHealth Alliance, Labyrinth, Global Health, and so on. And all of these organizations, these virus-hunting NGOs, are intelligence community fronts. Yes. Very, very obvious ones as well. Yes, I've just been told to check a video. Spillovers. Check out video posted related to Convo. Let me just share my screen with you. Entropy usually backs up good stuff. And like and like Centropy said, and to muddy the waters avoiding attribution and deliberate release, yes, absolutely. It makes right. it look like it makes it look like it came from from you know, from Ukraine or from China or whatever, rather than coming from us. Yes. Um, that, that's what we're, like, my concern right now is 
the well I guess I guess the peeling back of the the layers the onion right is is going to allow neocon types to um point the finger at china right yeah and this is what we saw right. in the congressional talk where it was it wasn't fauci it wasn't collins it was all farrah and yeah know, they want to lay the blame at china's feet when all the funding came from out of the pentagon and usaid and hhs and it's really really um atrocious you know what i think i might have to back on I didn't share applications. Tell me if you can hear this sound. Uh, our voices might sound a bit funny at the moment, folks, but... Please. Please. Hi. Chris, Chris Park, Park from the Department of State, State so, so I get, I get to ask this. You hear that? Yes. yes. Okay, I'll let that play. Stupid questions. questions. Uh, or at least the naive, naive ones. ones. Uh, uh, but, but my, my question, question is, uh, on, on the same, same subject of attenuated versus virulent strains, strains is the basis for the work. work. I, I thought, thought I sensed a certain tension between a couple of comments. Um, one of you said, said that, that uh, you know, if, if an experiment could be done in a more safe manner, manner obviously you'd prefer that that be the case. case. And that's, that's intuitively obvious, obvious to all of us, I think, all else being equal. On the other hand, Mark said very clearly earlier that uh, yeah, when, when it comes, comes time, time to try and, and seek funding, funding, you really need, need to put forward an approach that is the best experimental approach um, if you're going to be likely to secure that funding. It occurs to me that keeping as much as possible consistent with the case that you're trying to test against, in which case you're probably talking about a virulent strain, uh, gives you the firmest scientific basis you can't argue about, well, that substitution may have changed something. Um, so, so I'm, I'm wondering, wondering if, if, particularly in the current, current resource environment where competition for funding is very, very, very intense, uh, that, that question of do you still prefer the safest option if it will get at the question but maybe a little more indirectly or with a slightly lower level of confidence, how do those two factors play out? I'd be really, really interested in hearing any views on any guess. Sure. Wow. Please. I mean, I'd have been interested to hear what the answers were, but yeah, yeah me too. Think. What we've learned now is I don't know when that video was taken, but um, <laughs> they 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 gave nary uh, nary two fucks as <laughs> to the consequences, and we're prepared to lie uh, when it went wrong. That's that's what we've uh, come to understand, and. Someone in the, the um, um, and then the, the chat, chat says, says there is. Uh, yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Hang on. Yeah, switch off. Should be better now, folks. But uh, just the those. Like I say, I would have liked to have seen the answer, but the um, that those groups, those individuals involved in this, yes, they do that, and. Yeah, comes comes basically back to that they were that they were prepared to do literally anything to get funding, and we've seen that they will do that they will lie when it when it doesn't go their way. And um, I I I don't know how that system is tenable in any form that it's currently in. Now I I I have ideas about how you would 
break it up, but then, you know, what's, what stops, you know, pharmaceutical or, or any company or corporation from doing it? And, yeah. Um, or, or other countries. And the, you know, there's a big signature that it could be from the Chinese. Um, yes. That, that's, that has to be taken into account. And, and so one of the, the, the most, the most outrageous things that came out of this was the, um, it, how it came up in hearings that, uh, HHS, the, their, um, P3CO review group, uh, did not have like a, like a membership list that, they could be accessed by Congress. They they weren't even keeping like a roster of any kind. So it's like, who even are these people? Are we talking about, you know, intelligence community or what? Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, looking at you know what's what's one of the main protagonists right now, which is EcoHealth. Yeah, it very obviously had um, deep connections with the intelligence world and again the way that they've you know they're just crying out like like there's some great injustice that people are now looking at what they've done and quite rightly people are pissed (laughs) yeah just think how much people have been screwed over right whether no matter which which facet of the turd diamond you got touched by um right (laughs) <laughs> it, was, it, can all be, it can all be traced back to their their lying and, and their, their avarice and greed to get um, the grants and to climb up the, the hierarchy with respect to the science and you know, the and, and, and that's, um, that's just the public labs that we, that we know of, the types like Anderson and um, Gary and all, all those people. Eddie Holmes, obviously, is a um, big, yep. big factor in this uh, boondoggle. Um, but I, I would argue that that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yes. And it's it's still disturbing to me. Like, they're getting hammered. I, I, well, take it for what it is, because you only see through a particular lens when you're looking something like Twitter. Right. But But... It's still amazing to me that there are people trying to still pull the oh you're a conspiracy theorist you're you're whatever <laughs> you got information yeah. disorder um trust the experts in this and um that actually brings us to to our the next topic that I put on my little list here um there are two things that um I wanted to mention I wanted to bring up. Um, friend of mine, uh, you know, kind of like, um, uh, you, you might know him, uh, A.A. A. Gabriel. Uh, I know the name. Um, um, actually, uh, informed me, um, about, about this, um, cog sex stuff that he's been looking into cognitive security. Um, it sounds, it sounds really Orwellian and, um, it is. So, uh, let me see if I can I can pull up the report. Um, 
there was a report in in um well, you in had a tweet the other day um that i was flabbergasted <laughs> i just like yeah i mean i know they're doing it but when you see it in black and white oh, it, was a, it was a couple of weeks ago oh the one that they got like was it the one that got like a thousand likes almost maybe that re that, that recent one what, what, which one? Tell me. Oh, I, I just, um, let me see. Uh, I just, I just sent you a link here to this Rand report, um, by, by, uh, Rand Waltzman, um, before the, the committee on, on armed services subcommittee on cybersecurity, United States Senate. And basically the whole thing goes into the need for like cognitive security. Like it, it, essentially what he's saying is, we have to control the, the 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 flow of information on social media to prevent unrest mm -hmm. and so on and he, he uses as as evidence for this um one of the examples provided here is um uh let me see when when was it um it was the uh the violence and on uh, in um in india uh, between Hindu and Muslims back in in 2013, that was supposedly sp spurred on by like Facebook posts. Mm -mm. Yeah, I'm... I have vague memories of that, but uh, what should I say? Our Hindu and uh, Muslim brethren on the subcontinent have, uh, how should we say, fractious, right. <laughs> fractious relationship. <laughs> And I, I think that didn't the same thing kind of play out with, with like the Rohingya, the Rohingyas in Myanmar too? Yes. Yeah. Um, like, like where they, I mean, they were essentially um, were a bunch of like security researchers and stuff who were coming forward and claiming, oh, you know, it's this social media. We have to kind of clamp down on the flow of information and, and prevent the spreading of mis, dis, and malinformation to prevent violence and unrest. Mm -hmm. It's... Um, they they're using this stuff as an excuse to clamp down on people's free speech. Yes, um, and it's really really disturbing. Yeah, uh, I, I I'd rather the paroxysms of Muslims and Hindus getting into a stick fight with each other than these people um, thinking they've got carte blanche to um, be be controlling and monitoring everyone and everything. And you know, yes. we just had the court case where I can't remember which state did it, but they basically said that the government didn't have the right to be spying on um, American American citizens. The um, you know, it's a, it's it is a breach of your First Amendment rights that you should be um, that you could be taken down by essentially. Well, that so they they have a long chain through which it's done, right? It's not directly the federal government that will talk to Facebook, for example. There'll be a quote unquote think tank or other type of organisation that sort of sit sit between them and do and do like the dirty work, but they they're all sort of integrated at a operational level, and. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. And even though the Biden government has said oh, they've appealed the decision, right? 
um, so it's not it's not in effect yet. Um, e even if even if the court cases go the American people's way, I'm still not sure how you control the p private domain, the corporate domain, yep. and them sort of selling services. This is this is the problem. And and once you start sort of wrapping in um, the the mixing of uh, well the public private partnerships and the quasi corporatism, yeah, but it's it's that crossover with um, defense industries, right? And you know, you know how does how does it work? So you know someone someone comes out of the military with a particular algorithm that they were working on, they can set up a business and then they maintain their contacts um, with, uh, with these, well, the government should be the military, but they're, they're then interfacing with the civilian world. And anyone who doesn't think that we had military scale operations pulled on the public in the last few years. But again, you're living in a um, fantasy land. What they're doing is they are creating a, a framework um, for social and political con and political control um, that is essentially based on a foundation of public health interventions. Um, they even, in the, I mean, the CDC even has a word, a, um, uh, an acronym for it, SDOH, the Social Determinants of Health. And um, basically what they're, they're doing is they're getting to the point now where um, pretty much any opinion that someone can hold um, that, that stokes any sort of, of like tribalism or any friction with, an, with another group of people um, could be regarded as something that, that causes a negative public health outcome for another group of people. Mm -mm. So, so that, that essentially creates an excuse to have like a public health intervention to alter or, or, um, uh, or, med or medicate away someone's political views. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, um, dangerous territory right now. And, and like I said, the medicalization of it is very well, it's not new right it's the soviets did right. that but um it's just way way more sophisticated right now such that it, it can be completely completely hands off but you know the their ability to move crowds in one particular direction I, I don't think they've ever had such effective tools as now. And, you know, the Central Pete just said in the chat that um, even, even any court cases, it doesn't matter because all these elements are built into the source code. And that's something that's been coming out. I've been seeing it the last week or so, you know, conservative end of the spectrum you get funneled down this particular avenue and you'll get to see these particular limited hangouts etc and um it's all it's very dystopian dude um, yes yeah. <laughs> let it burn <laughs> let it burn bro um right right uh i'm gonna uh charles um gonna jump on but i'm not sure he said sort of 10 minutes or so um 
what I'm going to do is I'm going to send him a Zoom link. And um, I will send you the Zoom. We can just keep chatting on Discord. And then when I see him pop up in Zoom, we can just shut down Discord, switch to Zoom. Is that okay with you? Um, I have not actually installed Zoom on my new rig yet. Oh. Um, All right. We'll do it through Discord then. All right. All right. Um, and um, let me see here. Um, so have you seen uh, Charles Lieber's bibliography and like the, the more recent publications uh, he's made? Like, I think like. Now, I want to say you tweeted this a little while ago. Yes, there were six additional ones uh, that I was not aware of that weren't actually on his website. Did you know also that his, his Harvard uh, like subdomain website is, is currently down? Uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at that. Um, yeah. It's getting a lot of... Uh, a, lot a lot of attention. Of, yeah, and, and rightly so. Um, <laughs> just ultra-flexible endovascular probes for brain recording through micron-scale vasculature. That reminds me of the Stentrode. Um, mm. Seen that? Yeah, I'm familiar with... Uh, let's just have a look at... Um, I want to see how small they can get it. It's, uh, it's close. And I mean, look, I guarantee you that he's writing grants and what have you with all the, all the right sounding um, claims. You know, we're doing this for medical health reasons. There are people who are uh, locked in with car accidents and what have you, and paralysis, Parkinson's, blindness, mm. and so on and so forth. Um, major depression. Um, you know, it's a slippery slope. Eventually, they'll they'll start treating, you know, any conceivable political stance they don't like as a psychological disorder that needs to be treated with a brain computer interface. Mm. And that's when we get into some really dangerous territory. Which vessel they're going through. It's just the the pathologization of um, normal human behaviors, normal thought processes and you know treating them like a like public health issues that's going to be a, a big thing mm. over the next several years i feel yeah look at that man he's got some skills dude there's there's no doubt about that oh no doubt no doubt about that at all mm. um working with with teeny tiny um like just teeny tiny catheters nanowires implanted in cells stuff like that it's just really amazing Yes, and uh, I mean, my immediate concern, of course, is that you're essentially putting in a large block in the... <laughs> in the right, right. Vessel, right. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I can't imagine that it would be um, optimal for you. Right. But, I, think that, I think that, like, the Stentrode is actually not designed to impede blood flow. 
it's hollow and uh yep got it there's just so much branching off i mean the the length of that electrode is it's not insignificant right, right. so i've got to imagine that it's impeding some some of the arterioles coming off they have actually already implanted uh stentrodes in in human uh test subjects oh, do you have that paper uh let me see uh and they've already implanted them in patients um this the synchron um and i think those are lo larger um larger than these even let me see here Here's a paper on the uh, the the stentrode. Though I don't think this one is actually um, anything more than just the abstract, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, I I I always said that you know my field had become an engineering field, right? It, it was it was less about the biology and more about the materials that you could come up with to to stick into the brain and um yeah it's uh it, it's it's very much a significant jump forward to how i would do stuff i mean i i'm a dinosaur in this respect um i could i could hit many more places in the brain than they would but this it's only a matter of time before they can run any they want. Any tiny flexible probes. And that gets around a lot of the issues with, you know, like Utah arrays, microelectrode arrays, mm -hmm. uh, where the electrodes are stiff and they don't have any like compliance in the tissue. Um, these can these can flex around and because you know the brain tissue is pretty soft so yeah and like somebody gets in, in like a a car accident they've got like a, a microelectrode array and you don't want like really stiff materials in embedded in brain tissue um, and then having the brain like jostling around inside somebody's skull and and having those cause injury because they don't have this because they don't have the same you know the the same um, flexibility, the same elasticity as the the surrounding tissue. Yeah, and you know the well, it it just um, it just used to amaze amaze me how many times I could stick needles and probes into the brain. I mean, it's a downward trajectory for the monkey, but I mean you could you can do it for years. And yep, just, just keep getting. Uh, Recordings from them. Hang on, I was I was meant to be bringing Charles the conversation, but sharing my. Um, have you seen? Um, did I show you the um, 
those papers by Ian Achilles and, and Joseph Jornet. It doesn't ring a bell. Um, they're in uh, IEEE, and um, they go in. Oh, shit. Oh, I, I cut him off. Sorry. Are you there, dude? Yes, I'm there. Sorry. <laughs> Should give you a heads up. Um, you were saying uh, you gave the name of the authors and then it, it got cut off. Sorry. Yes. Uh, Joseph Jornet and uh, Ian Achilles. Um, they have um, been publishing a lot of papers in IEEE and um, uh, on uh, like next generation, like Internet of Bodies stuff, uh, 6G, uh, terahertz networking, and so on and so forth. And one of the, the things that they, they mention, um, one of the things that, that that's mentioned here in um, Ian Achildes' paper, uh, 6G and Beyond, the Future of Wireless Communication Systems, um, is the possibility of using like implantable Internet of Bodies technology for like personalized healthcare. Yeah, that's always with. the. <clears throat> we're, gonna, we're gonna keep you in tip-top shape, government. <laughs> right, right. Just hand over your sovereignty. Um, you know, I was, I was just sort of looking at these diagram here, the the mesh in the in the, and you know, it it occurs to me that. Hey, Charles. Is is it working, Charles? Are you there? There, can you hear me? We can. Um, you're little on the quiet side. Are you using the right mic? Yep. Hold on. Um, stuff. Here. So the so the issue around um, these high frequency um, <coughs> signals is that they're a um, they lack penetrance, right? Yes. Um, and they've actually done the, the path loss calculations in, in human tissue, and they've found that, you know, essentially you need relays spaced every few millimeters kind of a thing be because there's just so much attenuation there. But once, once you've got, like, these flexible meshes running through everything, you just need a node on the surface, right, just under the skin, and then you can start relaying um, signals and recording signals. Check out, check out this um, this figure here. Let me see if I can I can save this. Um. <clears throat> Just figure. Uh, am I looking for? Right here. Um, <laughs> they have nano cameras on the walls um, with smart dust, essentially. Um, Nano phones, internet gateway, bio nano things for health applications, and so on and so forth. That's got to be in there. <laughs> Fuck these assholes, man. <laughs> I'm doing it. I refuse. <laughs> and um, there's also this pair, these couple paragraphs right here. Um, 
Internet of, of Bio Nano Things for Health Applications. Highly relevant to Internet, Internet of Nano Things with its unique characteristics and applications is the concept of the Internet of Bio Nano Things. First introduced in 2015, the IOBNT has garnered significant traction in its efforts to synergistically combine telecommunications with healthcare solutions. The IOBNT is a network of molecules which, which can communicate with each other. The type of molecular communications include artificial cells, which act as gateways to translate between different molecule types, or a bio-cyber interface, which can convert molecular signals to electrical ones and transmit to external devices for further processing. So this is one of those things where they, they're planning on using synthetic biology, biomimetics, and so on, um, to the point where... Um, uh, essentially, they could they could get this stuff into someone with just using like a nucleic acid sequence or gene transfection. You know, um, if if they they need um, materials to build um, organic nanotech, they'll use essentially amino acids, uh, metal ions, um, proteins and peptides and DNA and stuff that's already in the body. So you're essentially using a kind of like a self assembly approach with um materials that are already in in people as as a means of and and this isn't even really like like net, as someone in the chat just said nanobots um that kind of undersells the severity of this problem um this is yeah. not even at this point what we're talking about here is not like conventional nanotechnology where we're thinking of things like um nanoscale machinery or or micro uh, like like mechanical systems um, you know, it's it's not like the kind of thing where we're where we're looking at like semiconductor quantum dots and stuff like that. At this point, what we're talking about is the functionalization of organic tissue, like being able to actually use proteins and peptides as waveguides, stuff like that. Um, and once you can do that, and and once you have artificial intelligences um, doing things like whole genome synthesis and so on, um. Essentially, you get to the point where you can do things like create designer cells, designer tissues, organs that never existed in nature before. Um, yeah, what you was could, that paper? You know, I was trying to find it the other day where they were looking at the, at the probability space for being able to design organs. We looked at it. Um, it was the, I think the... Let me see. Um, and I, was, I was trying to look for it, and I was like, oh, a morpho space, space for, yeah, yeah, for synthetic it. organs and organoids. Yes, mm. that's a really interesting one. You um, talk dirty to me, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and link that one in the in the uh, live stream chat as well. Um, and essentially, this. Um, what they're proposing here is that, you know, the, the organs that you find in the human body are, are not all possible organs that could exist. Um, and we can see here that they have a, a diagram that shows on, on different axes here in this, this cube-shaped diagram, like 3D diagram. You know, so, some organs are, are liquid, some are solid. Um, you know, like, like if we think of like blood and blood cells as, as an or, organ system, for instance, um, things like that. Some some organs perform computation, like neurons. Some do not. And essentially, what they're talking about here is something where 
in the future, <laughs> um, they could do things like produce, for instance, like a like a kidney full of neurons or or whatever they wanted. They could they could um, they could three D print um, like an extracellular matrix and then cellularize it in any conceivable pattern that they wanted with um, uh, artificial tissues produced with synthetic biology processes. Mm, And and then they could, then they could transplant that into somebody and have functions that never existed in nature. So I'm trying to, I don't see how that could be a problem. I mean, look, MRNA is already changing the world. So, right. Right. (laughs) Sit back, relax and uh, let it, let it um, wash over you. I'm just trying to. Uh, who's the nematode guy who does the learner? Wait, he's he's able to sort of change the ionic gradients and get organs to appear on. Unlike you know, you can put like an eye on the back of that animal and it'll be completely functional. I don't. Remember, I don't remember the name, but yeah, I remember, I remember talking about it. I remember. I remember seeing that. Um... Oh, I had I, I don't remember the name either at the moment, but I I did I do recall linking that in one of my older articles. So yeah, that's where I read it actually. Yeah. Um, it's freaky. Um, what he's able to do and the well, again, I would I would just say where you know where's the um. Where's the boundary, right? The, right. The, say no. And, yeah. Uh, um, Boundaries are wherever Fauci says it is. <laughs> Fauci and, um, let's say, James Watson and uh, Francis Collins. Right. And Harold Varmus. Pretty much wherever they tell us is the boundary. currently eating a steak hopefully it's not like too loud uh no we can't we can't tell the cutoff on that mic is um good good someone in the chat will know who i'm on about i'm sure um i did hear most of the stuff before i came on levin um, michael oh yeah levin. I remember that. michael levin Yes, that's his name. And let me see if I can find. And you know, there's there's something that, you know, there's this drive and f- hyper focus on understanding genome, genome interaction, epigenetics, etc. And he just takes that model and completely uh, pulls it apart. I mean, yep. Yeah. Yes. There's some, and this is just incredible stuff. Like how how em- an embryo develops into a, a complete organism, that sort of thing, and if they can potentially um, on a number of different alter that process. Um, and uh, the thing about that is that for years and years they've they've tried to determine how genetics affect, like affect the morphology of an organism and they they really weren't able to come up with an answer until now it's um and what they're finding is that 
it's not just genetics. It's okay. um, we're talking about bioelectric processes, all sorts of things here. Um, and it's it's really really fascinating stuff because you know if you can tweak the, this sort of thing. Um, you could come up with designer organisms from scratch with all sorts of properties not uh, that again not found in nature and I think that's that's a really a key point that people need to realize here is that this is this is something we're talking about synthetic biology constructs that have no evolutionary precedent whatsoever mm. um, and that's really the the next frontier um, it's right now it's just baby steps. But in in other, if things keep going the way they are, with like I said, the 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 new in silico simulations driven by machine learning and so on, it won't be baby steps anymore. It another like another like five, ten, twenty years, uh, we're gonna be t uh, we're gonna be seeing some really, really, really crazy developments in this area. Yeah. Um, uh, actually, I don't know Spartacus if you've heard, but biological weapons aren't real. Right, right. <laughs> and and uh, I don't know if you've been keeping tabs on, on you know, the truth, but but uh, <clears throat> we've been told recently that, you know, that everything that we're saying is wrong, that it's entirely impossible. They don't know enough about epitopes to even deal with, even to have created SARS-CoV-2, much less. And I agree that, that we're obviously not there yet with what you're talking about. But... We also have this problem of th there's this there's this there's this insane f belief that everything that exists gets published. Somehow we have this dichotomy where, okay, on the one hand, um, we don't trust the science, but then we make it. We assume that there can't be science that's a decade ahead of us that we just don't know about. Like it's just, right. it's absolutely bonkers to make that assumption when, when we know that they have, I mean, why do you think that it's the department of energy has an HIV database of genomes? Right. But epitopes. It's, it's um, not because they take a vaccine because they spent 40 years trying to do that. So obviously the same thing can happen with all of these things. And this notion that, that there's not stuff going on behind closed doors is, is absolutely insane. Hey, dude, are you sure you're using the uh, Rode mic in Discord? Uh, I believe uh, so. Uh, uh, because I, every time you speak, there's like a hiss oh, in the oh. background. Um, are you talking about me? Yeah, yeah. So in the okay, settings in Discord, check. just make sure. So on the left-hand column. Yeah, let's um yeah so first i make charles uh do some troubleshooting um the well this this idea that you can take a or, or just make a sweeping assessment of these technologies and like i say say uh, dismiss them out of hand is uh, again it's very very dangerous and you're yes we're, we're subject to where? i think the most disturbing part about all of this is what you see when you do a like a holistic analysis of the entire field 
and the related fields and what the and what the current levels of capability are and what what they are looking towards like you know five ten twenty years down the line um essentially you know in another 20 years what we're looking at here is is the possibility of using like designer organisms as as soft robots mm-hmm. um and being able to completely command and control like every single cell in their bodies by altering their, their membrane potential that sort of thing um by using um nanotechnology to reversibly you know like open and close ion channels in their cells um by using things like um oh and and uh one of the things that, th- that they were planning on doing with uh and i think they actually did experimentally with um like charles lieber's silicon nanowires for instance was being able to do like uh actual chemical essays of the the cytosol um it's really really shocking stuff um with with developments in in microfluidics uh in nanotechnology synthetic biology biomimetics you know um in another 5 10 20 years um they'll probably be able to develop like replacement organelles maybe even a replacement for a cell nucleus that is like completely synthetic and and receives um instructions to assemble nucleic acids in in any conceivable sequence um remotely it just sounds like cancer to me <laughs> right, right. call me old-fashioned but um the yeah the the fact that they can oh this is this is so it, you can say it took a few hundred years for sort of modern science to get to this point right and then and then you look at the acceleration that we have and look i'm I'm out of date, right? And I've right. been, you know, out the field a couple of years. And the, you know, I, de- I didn't like where it was going, right? Because of yep. the, um, this engineering and this um, surveillance aspect of it. But uh, the, you know, the, it, it's baby food now essentially to do what i was doing which was sort of bleeding edge five six years ago right yep and wow um you know where where does it stop and right when you see what levin does where he's able to and if we get a good uh good example How old is this? Yeah, people are just having a watch party and um, listening to there's his um, functional eye. Yep. I remember, like recently, they they actually uh, I don't think it was Michael Levin and his, and his team, but they actually did like a. Uh, um, like a brain organoid that grew eyes. No shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Did I mean, they get FDA approval for that? You <laughs> <laughs> just they, they actually developed eyes on their own unexpectedly. No oh, shit. Oh, yes. That's even better. <laughs> just, yeah, that's, just that's, eyes. That's just that emergent. 
properties again out of these complex systems and um was it please tell me it was a, at least a rodent brain <laughs> not, not um, human. i do believe there it was human derived yes oh no <laughs> oh, that's cool. oh no that's uh that's stomach churning bro what is it thinking well <laughs> What does it see yeah, with those it, eyes? It's, it's an illusion. We can't actually do that, so don't worry about it. Right. This is uh well and you know, the so you've got your synthetic gene delivery packages now. Got the you've got the flexible nanowires. Yeah, it's it's close to so the prob the problem is is that where it goes for the lowest common denominator, right? And um, right. It's, it's the military that will take hold of this and hang the consequences after the individual's service. And so... Yes. D did you see uh, the diagram for, um, was it uh, Rice University's Moana um, wireless nanotransducer tech? Uh, the Tesla Phoresis or the no 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 the um um it's it's their their contribution to DARPA's N three program. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, let yeah me I remember. Let yeah, me Sendling. see. Uh, I remember. Um, and there's a figure in there, um, that like explicitly points out like transfected cells. So clearly, what they intend to do with these nanotransducers is actually transfect neurons with them. And um, and then have those those um, essentially like little tiny like twenty nano twenty nanometer engineered semiconductor materials uh, residing in the cytosol. Um, that for me raises a lot of questions, um, like how how toxic is it um, to have in this in the in that environment for an extended period of time. Um, is it is it reversible? One of the one of the things that they're looking at with these is the ability to guide those nanotransducers back out in the body and have them come out through the kidneys, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <laughs> yes, it's as it's as crazy as it sounds, but um, what they don't want is they don't want like bioaccumulation and toxicity from this uh, for obvious reasons. Um, but um, this, this technology is news to a lot of people. Most people don't even realize this stuff exists. Um, and everyone is consistently like shocked when they hear, when they hear about this stuff. Um, another guy that, that people should look at um, is Sakrat uh, uh, Kizroev. Um, let me see if I, I can bring up. There we go. Um, like a year ago, this was posted on YouTube. YouTube. Um, advanced materials See, to Kevin, enable wireless Kevin, brain machine interfaces. Kevin, you can have a computer screen with only three or four tabs open on the internet at one time. <laughs> it is possible. I'm just I'm starting out. Um, uh, so uh, we'll wait for uh, one uh, minute for Sakra uh, to. How long is that? It's a 54 minute lecture. Is there a. Yes. A condensed version, <laughs> yeah. I wish. But one of the the main things about this is that okay, so um, uh, nanoparticle. Yep, 
and um so there's there actually there there are six different teams working on this for for DARPA right now. Um just off the top of my head, it's uh Rice, Battelle, uh Teledyne, Park, uh Carnegie Mellon University and Johns Hopkins University. Um and um the the two most mature programs are Battelle's Brainstorms and Rice's Moana. And the way these work, you know, they have cells transfected, brain cells transfected with nanotransducers, and then they have a helmet that the subject is, subject is supposed to wear, which actually um, energizes those nanotransducers very, very precisely. And there are a whole bunch of engineering problems with this, that being able to have the spatial resolution down low and like high enough, I mean, I mean, activating a, a small enough volume of, of brain to of now transducer transfected brain tissue. Um, and uh, then, of course, being able to read them back and so on. And so because uh, they want this to be two way, not just one way stimulation like transcranial stimulation, but actually being able to read off of these things. So it's, essentially, it's like having a microelectrode array with an arbitrarily high number of channels and so on. So and permeated throughout the whole the whole brain as opposed to you know just having a few electrodes jabbed jammed into one spot like like Neuralink. Um and or like the spike protein just in the microglia. Right, right. They've been able to they've been able to uh if the spike protein can can be that effective. Um yeah I and that's what I keep trying to tell people they are ahead of us behind closed doors. Like we don't know everything. And I mean, not that I, I mean, who am I? I'm just some random schmuck, except, you know, except I was, I, I still talked to a guy who was at the biological technologies office of DARPA. So, you know, um, and, and yes, they're, uh, they're still, um, well, because I, I, last time, we were on, I was talking about epigenetics and how focused they are on understanding the methylation patterns and everything. And so this, this, this is another outgrowth of, of that type of stuff. And what's scary is that like I, just in the epigenetic side, I've got a list of like 70 to 80 papers uh, proving what was passed down to me about what they were working on and what they'd been able to find out. Uh, but it took th like two years for publications to emerge that were proving what I had been told was, was already being proven. So um, just imagine how much further they actually are. And that's what's scary is if you mix this with, with epigenetics, it, it, it should be a good thing. Because there's so many good things that you can do with epigenetics. There are good things that could could be done with Neuralink and things like that. But well, once again, who's driving this bus? It's not it's not Kevin McCarran, it's the DOD. So Right. And just take a look at the Or yeah, China. The conclusions page of this talk, right? So study paves way for advanced materials to enter the brain, opens a pathway to unprecedented medical treatments and enables brain like computing. A holy grail hardware for artificial intelligence. 
Our future goal is to extend the range of intelligent material composition, translate our findings into different applications. That's really well. Weird, that's that's one thing that people don't realize is that if this sort of wireless BCI technology gets to be good enough, and if they can <laughs> if they continue to develop this, um, then another uh, 10, 20 years, it won't even need the helmet. It'll it'll use it'll use nano relays uh, positioned in the tissues already that um, uh, communicate with next generation uh, cell phone architecture and so on. Um, and and look, man, look if, if you've got Parkinson's, uh, or you've you've got a <laughs> spinal resection at the C one. Um, I'm all for it, man. <laughs> Let them right, right. Have at it. But look. Yeah, but look at the direct impact areas, Kevin. Yes, I was um, about to get to that. Neurodegenerative diseases, cancer, HIV, AIDS, and others. Mm. You've got to be shitting me. Wow. Uh, yeah. And look at the other impact areas. Civil, civil engineering, intelligent materials <laughs> for smart cities. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's, it's like in your um, face. <laughs> this, it, it's not, this isn't just for treating people with Parkinson's. They want everyone to have this in their bodies. Literally, literally billions, literally billions of people. And the thing about it is, is that if you have a brain computer interface installed in billions of people's heads, think about the computational power that that, that uh, amounts to. Um, if if you yes, were to exactly, it's it's literally. I mean, the original plot of the Matrix. Um, before they they decided just to switch it around to to human batteries and whatnot, was that human brains were actually uh, providing processing power to the matrix, kind of a thing. So, and that was actually a far more plausible plot. I mean, just the the human battery thing just doesn't work out thermodynamically if you actually think about it for more than two seconds. But but using a human brain to to run, I mean, through a brain computer interface to run AI um, to run programs. Uh, to steal clock cycles right out of people's heads um, with like a human brain botnet. Imagine the the processing it power that's in that. It would never do that. Come on now. Right. <clears throat> I'm just, you know, I'm. Uh, oh. it's, uh, but 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 it it comes down to this, right? Which is the argument about consciousness, and you know. Can silicon be conscious? Um, I'm not so sure, but you know, once once you've got carbon fused into the loop, right? Then then where do, where does that boundary end? And I'm again, I, I'm I'm not seeing anyone pumping the brakes with respect to this stuff, right? You know, as as much as we're the way they see it. The the way the pe- the people doing this see it, I mean this this could I mean have have huge advantages for humanity. I mean like like I said, uh, think about AlphaFold. Think about the, the all the simulations that they're able to do in silico right now. And then imagine if we if we were running those simulations on billions of human brains instead of instead of like data centers full of GPUs. Um, what the, the way they see it, the human the I mean. All of human society could be turned into this great big machine learning invention engine. Um, ah, you could have material science breakthroughs <laughs> popping out of you this enough? daily that we that we couldn't even possibly conceive of otherwise on our own. 
Um, but the problem with this this plan of theirs is that it's evil. Yeah. No, it's, no, you got to do something with all those. You got to do something with all those workers who are going to. You got to do something with all this with all those newly unemployed yeah, people. Basic, yes. Exactly. Universal basic income. Just become a slave. A yes. Slave. A GPU. Just become. Just. Uh, yeah. Just sit there and and s- smoke some weed and and let your brain most of the time be used by someone else. A human. A human blade server. Yes. Oh man. Yep. Sucked up. It's uh yes, that's that's exactly where they're going. You make you make me so optimistic about the future. I love it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) And you know where are the where are the ethicists talking right now? And you know Uh, the the ethicists (laughs) <laughs> that's that's uh that's our covert moral bio enhancement right so that's how she's wife how she's wife how she's wife is the ethicist yeah yeah oh god the, the ethicists are, are writing up excuses for why this is good yeah uh, um, what was that? the, the ethicists moral, moral covert moral bio i've got to find right, that right. Uh, you have that paper to hand it? I'm, I'll have it somewhere. But... James Giordano is a bioethicist associated with DARPA. Right. And he stood, stood on stage before dozens of cadets at West Point discussing, oh, we have all these new technologies where we can manipulate people's brains on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Kind of a thing. Uh, there was a recent report that China is seeking neurostrike capabilities. Um, oh, sweet. Why? Why the emphasis on China? Everyone is seeking neuro strike capabilities. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, no, it's, it's just China. We're we're doing yeah. the good work. We have no, we have no role in creation of SARS-CoV-2. Uh, everything is infectious clones, and this is all an illusion. So, dude, you might so want, you might want side, to bring the mic closer to your face, or turn the gain up right, a little bit. There you go. Yeah, I, I don't. I, the gain? I don't know what the gain is. I've had uh, this mic for two days. What is the gain? So on the left-hand side of the board, right, you can see there's like a, some LEDs lit up. Red, probably. Yeah, sure. And oh, under, gain, got it. Okay, just turn that up a touch. that better? Oh, yes. Lovely. Um, there we go. My voice still isn't as good as Spartacus's, but... Oh, uh, he's... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, like a perfect radio voice. Like I say, we need we need to be doing um, we need to uh, broken truth and um, Sparkus and Nick need to do the uh, the oh, good voiceovers Lord. of. The... Yeah, they do. <laughs> Get both of them on there. Mm. <laughs> well, maybe 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 we can uh, we can make a combination. We'll get the machine learning to. Um, Pick out the the best bits and meld it together. And uh, see, I just want to meet. I just want to meet Spartacus and Nick because I want to see. The, I want to see the faces that go with those voices. I wonder if it's like like if it's like Rush Limbaugh and it's like you're just really fucking ugly, but uh, <laughs> yeah, these perfect voices. So I've seen Spartacus. I'm not making that assumption. So, he's uh, he's a Chad. That's. Uh... Just trigger no. word, trigger word for the FBI there. Just uh... <laughs> dang, I, I'm, you know, I'm sort of lost for 
words on on uh, the the dangers are are obvious. I mean, how how to constrain this type of yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find that paper covert more by enhancement because the power cuts my it's um is off the, and it's... the thing about it is that they they're doing all this stuff knowing that there that there isn't really a um a legal framework to prevent them from doing it there there aren't really any That's treaties right. there aren't any treaties or anything preventing this and you know, and that's the that's the part that bothers me the most about the about the neuro warfare stuff is that they they are flaunting and bypassing the biological and toxin weapons convention essentially no, they're they're, they invent- <laughs> they're coming up with something that that could be severely incapacitating that could be utilized to to cause unrest and color revolutions. It could make civilian populations aggressive um, in a a hostile nation or pacify them in a friendly one. And uh, they're 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 treating this stuff leg- legally speaking as though it was equivalent to like a riot control agent, mm. like um, well, like uh, capsaicin or something. Exactly, like CS. Yeah. Well, and what's ironic is that so instead of doing Things like that, like creating frameworks to control this stuff. Instead, what they're doing is they're creating frameworks to control us through yes. the WHO, through you know, all these other things. And that's that's what's so sickening is that it's like we're moving in the wrong direction in every single possible way. The censorship, the cognitive security stuff, they don't want people talking about this. Mm. And oh, yeah. it, the reason why they don't want people talking about it is because uh, to put it quite bluntly, um, it, it seems like these people have kind of like, you know, these these Rand Corporation type guys have kind of got together and done all these studies and determined that essentially that global civilization is fragile, that, you know, that that um, they need to be able to cybernetically control people's behavior and, and opinions and whatnot just to keep it all from falling apart. Mm. Um, and th- that's the way they're justifying it to themselves too. They're saying we need to, it's in our better security interest to to um, moderate the flow of information to make sure that that people don't don't believe these you know um, these lies that people are saying about the Pentagon and and and, and DARPA and DITRA and whatnot. But and, and, and yeah, I don't I don't need more reasons to stay here in Japan. <laughs> like you you just keep on piling them like. Oh, it it'll happen right. here, dude. Uh, that, that's for sure. Um, Asians will Asians will just lap this shit up. <laughs> it's um, the UN and uh, the World Health Organization, uh, Council on Foreign Relations. Um, they're they're sinking their tendrils in everywhere they can, mm. and they they're essentially trying to come up with a sort of a a universal program, so to speak, for everyone. And they're not taking into account uh, significant cultural uh, and socioeconomic differences between different groups of people, different countries. Um, they're, they're just, they're essentially trying this, this really, I think, just a really insulting one-size-fits-all approach for every country. Yeah, Haven't you noticed that? Yeah. yeah. Well, not not just like yeah. socialism. It's like this: the same exact progressive bullet points everywhere, in, in every country, and even even countries where, I mean, the population kind of traditionally le- just leans conservative automatically. 
Um, they're they are they're pushing for it really hard in Japan. Um, they're pushing for it uh, anywhere you can th- you can think of um, India, Pakistan, Indonesia, whatever. It, they are they're there and they are pushing a universal program for human beings. Essentially, was it you that had that video of the Chinese kids where the teacher is basically? scraping their brain waves <laughs> just knows when they're they're stopped concentrating on the, on the work at hand was that, was that oh you? right um I think, I think it was you but there's um, an article about that um but it's, see, it's just yeah. so so disturbing just to see kids being um violated like that right like, the... They're using they're using headbands to study yeah. their concentration levels. Yeah. Um, got the uh, the article right here. Um, it's just the normalization of using neurotechnology to study people's internal states uh, using wearable devices um, and eventually implanted nanotechnology to study, um, you know, and and to to collect and collate. All of this data from like from thousands, millions, maybe even billions of people at once. Uh, people don't even really realize the implications of this. This isn't just um, like a, a public health measure kind of thing. This is this is this is more than just mass surveillance. It's a it's a way to construct massive detailed predictive models of human behavior, you know, future people's future behavior. Um, well, and just just think what they've acquired in the last three years, right? Just just that data, oh, yeah. and they will that will be fed into these algorithms, and they will. And the the disturbing part is how many just went <clears throat> along and are still going along with the um well, the vector of look at. For instance, like um, algorithmic governance, look at uh, predictive policing, smart cities, and so on. What they're trying to come up with is it's, is they're trying to come up with a system that essentially runs itself, where they don't really even need much human inter- intervention to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the, the really, I think the most disturbing part about all of this is that just the sheer lack of public awareness about any of this in fact the implementation of the plan relies on people being as ignorant about what's happening as possible um, yeah. you can people well i was just going to say you, you, we can all be um arguing around last generation weapons right 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 <laughs> they, might already, they might already have something that's well ahead of this yeah but the thing about it is that I mean what people don't realize I mean you know people wearing their their Fitbits and their Apple watches and so on uh, what they don't realize is that uh, none of, first of all like none of that data is covered under under like privacy laws see like here in the US we have like HIPAA for instance N- none of the stuff that's voluntarily provided to um, like Amazon or Apple or any of the the, the wearable manufacturers is covered because these are because they're not healthcare providers and it's it's a fitness device but that data 
is all aggregated in in great big data centers and they can they can run machine learning algorithms on it to extract i don't, I don't want to give too much away right but um charles charles was like i've got a bargain on a on a fitbit hey 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 <laughs> But it's it's from that Huawei, Chinese company so. that uh, yeah, Huawei, yeah. Huawei is that what it's called something like that? <laughs> yeah. Now, now, now remember what I what I told you though is that they they broke they broke into the OPM database a decade ago, so they have all of my security clearance information. They have my fingerprints. Mm. Uh, they probably have my iris scans. Like, so they can know what my heartbeat is currently. It's fine. And, <laughs> I mean, you know, just helps animate their, animate their current. Uh... I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm. I don't think much less of the. I I trust the Chinese about as much as I trust our American government right now. So, mm. um, yeah, I mean, to, what? Where can you look and say, oh, there's there's a um, social or, or management model that um, is has got the best interests of human beings. At, at heart in, in this framework and there is n none <laughs> oh, one I mean, um, when you look into this stuff what you're essentially looking at I mean this goes all the way back to the 1970s with um, like um, Zbigniew Brzezinski talking about essentially the need for cybernetic control of human behavior and, and the increasing complexity cycle of society and so on and if you read like, like Klaus Schwab's um, like his books that came out in the past decade um it's all about the same exact stuff it's like society is getting too complex um the even the slightest shock to this system can send it all tumbling down we need some way to stabilize all of this and that this is like i said this is the way that they're going to try and justify it yeah they can um, they can shove their corporate sales pitch gobbledygook up their ass as far as i'm concerned <laughs> yes <laughs> I'm, I'm biting well, they're, down. Shoving, they're shoving it up our ass right now Frank, well yeah it. yes and they don't care like so once again there's no there's no framework and the only frameworks that they're making are for us not for them yes, yes they they themselves will exist outside those frameworks and just allow every, have everyone else in essentially this open air digital prison. Um, so someone's just put you... in the, the chat, um, check out Alison McDowell. Yeah, I highly recommend um, listening to her. Look, I don't agree with everything she says, um, but she's, she's, she's the best out there for understanding how these corporate structures are coming together and how they're going to gamify and tokenize your life based off these real-time metrics and they are going to be that's like me with the monkey right the monkey doesn't know that i'm outside the box controlling somewhat the reward that he's getting yes and he's just fumbling around and eventually hits on a pattern that you know maximizes his his reward but i i'm outside that and i can tweak it in order to train the monkey to shape him into the uh, the test subject that I want, and this is this is orders of magnitude above that um, very simple operant conditioning type setup. And the simple fact is that most people will be like the monkey and not care yes. about who who could be twiddling the the dials and the well, knobs. They've, they've been they've been 
at going after the kids for well forever and but now they can do it so much more efficiently through technology mm. um they can distract kids and i mean how many kids do you know that don't use it a, a device None, like no, nobody, None. they have little, they have little tiny None. babies with tablets. Yeah, I mean, Everyone, my daughter, every, yeah. everyone's got a touch screen. Yep. And it's, it's, it's so intuitive for them, right? The touch screen. They just, yes. they pick that shit up real, real quick. Man. <laughs> well, welcome. Uh, oh, go ahead. Oh no, that, that, that was all I was going to say. And then I, and then, I was seeing on screen the headbands. That's child abuse. <laughs> they want to um, welcome Leap, you know, um, that spinoff of yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy Ferrari's Welcome Trust, um, led by ex-DARPA uh, Regina Dugan. Uh, they want to collect biometric data and, and brain data from, from infants, newborns. Of course. And this this process, this process of collecting biometric data from people is is like I said, it's going to allow them to construct models of human behavior that are far far more detailed than the ones they had before. They they want to be able to do essentially like a whole world simulation. They want to be able to to um, have algorithms that are sophisticated enough to pick up people's behavior in public and and determine whether from from their body language, from their their pulse. Uh, from their facial expressions and so on. That's what I was doing, right? That's that's what I was pitching, right, to these companies and uh, institutes. It's like, look, we can we can do this in real time, and we can. It's very crude. Um, the 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 well, I would again. It was down the. Um, we were going to treat illness. Right, and you know the the more difficult ones like gambling, these the sort of addiction type disorders, and yes, I was well now. Now looking back, I can see that I was very very naive. It's the thing about it is that when you start getting into like the reward pathways and stuff like that, you know, think about um, just. Society in general, in general, why do people work? Why do people work? What do they? What do they? They work for money, right? Um, money. The I mean, obtaining money from one's job in itself activates reward circuits in the brain. Um, but also consuming, by going out and, and buying that shiny new iPad off a shelf, and uh, or maybe even getting the personalized laser engraving and all of that. That activates reward pathways in the brain. But what if? We activate those reward pathways without the actual product, without the actual reward. Um, so, so having done this in the monkey, right, um, this sort of dopaminergic pathway stimulation, if, if the stimuli in the environment don't quite add up, the monkey ignores it. Right. That's what, that's what I found. And you had to... I had to, be, you really had to cue the sensory input up properly, and if the VR goggles, yeah, yeah, um, the sort of mixed, uh, what do they call it? 
mixed mixed reality or um, uh, augmented reality. Augmented, yeah, that's it. Um, yes, and you know, I was, you know, there was back when I when I were a lad, right? There you was... walk around, you walk around, you're wearing the 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 new Apple Vision Pro or whatever the hell. And uh, they, they project the the appearance of a of a ten thousand dollar couch in your living room. It's not actually there, but at the same time, they're also stimulating the the dopaminergic pathways in your brain. And so you have the satisfaction of having a ten thousand dollar couch in your living room without actually having one. Doesn't that sound kind of suspiciously similar to you will own nothing and you will be happy? Yes, yeah, but you know the the sensory system is a bit more complex than that, right? If it doesn't. Like the the feel, you'd have to get the tactile yes. stuff right, and it's not just it's not just vision that you you would have right, to being able to touch that's it. Also, that's also why the, that's part of the problem that there. That's why society is is struggling with this transition because <clears throat> because during the pandemic we couldn't replicate like you can't replicate like a actual love and a physical relationship to the degree that. Like you can't replace it, and so you end up with this tension between reality and this false reality, and and I don't know if that's exactly what you're saying, Kevin, but but the like if there's a reward, it, it, right now they're not at the point where they can they can fake us enough to believe that we have that we've actually gotten a reward, and so there's that like a dichotomy, but in the future. I mean, yeah, you might be, they'll be able to, I'm sure at some point you will think that you're sitting on a $10,000 couch and, you know, and yeah, uh, there's this one quotation from Armin Krishnan's book, military neuroscience and the coming age of neuro warfare. Um, it's actually these actually two separate quotes, uh, these two paragraphs, uh, the, the first one is, it is argued that Western strategic writing is still largely trapped in a Clausewitzian mindset that considers violence to be an integral part of war. The concept of neuro-warfare proposes instead that other societies could be subverted and assimilated through sophisticated attacks on a collective consciousness. And, and the other quote reads, there are strong indicators that controlling large and impoverished populations will become a key challenge in the 21st century, as there is a combination of factors that will, over time, exacerbate already existing problems of overpopulation, resource scarcity, unemployment, and failing systems of governance around the world. These problems will be made worse by covert aggression and deliberate destabilization by a variety of state and non-state actors. The impacts will not be limited to the, to the developing world, although they will be felt most severely there. Western governments seem to be already preparing for mass civil unrest, if not the threat of civil war. For this reason, any technologies and methods that can reduce or otherwise combat political extremism and generally calm populations will be import extremely important for the future. There can be little doubt that NeuroST will play an important role in the homeland security domain, which could make use of direct force unnecessary. Um. So think about the implications of that they they're already looking ahead they they see okay what if we have a resource a resource shortage what if our logistics chains break down what if globalization as it currently exists um fails to provide people with the necessary bread and circuses to keep them pacified what do we do what what alternative do we have to pacify people in under those circumstances they're already thinking about that mm -hmm. and they're all and they're already 
they're already engaging in in yes, essentially covert war against their own populations and using um, and they're planning on using neurotechnology in this. They they they. I, I'm not sure to what extent they already are, but they're definitely looking into it. Well, so any any device that captures attention, right, and feeds information in can essentially be classified as that. It's the of course. It's the extent to which um, their their governance breaks down, such that you know, I don't know, UFC and people literally literally we're you know that's bread and circuses right it's gladiators just uh smashing the crap out of each other and we we, right. we cheer it on right i'll watch ufc um but the there's a i i, I think the big thing that they're most concerned about is is this automation aspect right which is you know the the code right who needs coders now Yes, <laughs> it's, it's um, I, I, I've already I've messed around with GPT a little bit myself. I've I've asked it to do code for me, and it, it actually comes out with workable, if somewhat janky code that needs further um, yeah. massaging to to achieve the the final article. Um, but you know, we're, we're looking at something that where essentially one person could use this to do the job of ten people. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a force multiplier. Um, but at the same time, you know, what happens to the other, you know, yeah, the, the, the people, other, the the people other that, ten that are unemployed now. Yeah. And the thing is, you've got the element of society that are just not smart enough to engage with these systems. What do you do? Yeah, they, they, they can't they can't contribute to the information economy hmm. um, and their their manual labor isn't isn't needed. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Um, I think that really uh, one of the most disturbing parts about all of this for me, um, in retrospect, is that there actually is a substantial need for manual labor um, in today's society. You know, we we need we do need road workers. We do, we do need, and that's and not just. Um, not just factory workers. We also we need people in the skilled trades. Uh, we need electricians. We need plumbers, welders, um, machinists. And the thing is, is that you know, if you look at the quality of our infrastructure and how everything's in decline, you know, we have got, we got roads full of potholes. We got bridges falling down. Oh, that's uh, you over there. You asked Charles how uh, nice everything is here. Right, it's like oh, yes, riding yes. on silk. Oh, right. <laughs> This is a different planet, yeah. Yes. Well, they actually they actually care about having good public works over there. Well, at what at what cost, though? I guess is the question. Um, the thing is, is that what we're well, the way things are going, they're they're pushing us towards a, a divided, like two tiered society where people pay taxes, but they don't have any of the any of the benefits of it. Um, so like they, now they, then, basically. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like, like essentially the way things already are, just worse. <laughs> it's, I mean, um, if, if I was American right now, I, I would be so... Like someone retweeted uh, like a comparison of Kiev and Philadelphia today. 
all the, <laughs> the gains, all the gains from this system are, are going to be privatized. All the losses socialized. Yes, that's correct. And um, they're going to let people live in, in decaying infrastructure um, when they could be reasonably and gainfully employed fixing that infrastructure up. They're just going to let people live like VR zombies with roads full of potholes and and uh, railways rust to re- reverting to their salts. It's um, essentially the, what they, they want is they want to kind of have a society that doesn't even really need heavy industry of the kind that we, we used to have. Um, they, they, wanted, they wanted to. I mean, for years and years, they exported all of that to China. It's like it, the pollution is not in our backyard, out of sight, out of mind, right? And, of course, they get to take advantage of the, the lax labor regulations at the, and the much, much lower wages. Um, and it's... Uh, just the constant i mean we can see the consequences of this uh, they're, they're t- i mean look at look at um after they they um they sent basically our entire armament stockpile to ukraine they're talking they're saying it's going to take years to replenish 155 millimeter artillery shells stinger missiles um javelins all sorts of things and that's I mean that's heavy industry. The defense sector is heavy industry. You need you need steel mills. You need uh, you need railways that actually work and don't lose your cargo across the track. You know, and like like that um, that vinyl chloride spill. Oh yeah. You know, it, <laughs> well, the, the defense industry is uh, they're doing just fine right now because oh yes. So basically, um, yeah, they're heavily heavily subsidized. Yeah, it's heavily subsidized, and and you're right. That's the only industry that we're that we're investing in. We're not investing in nuclear power plants. We're not investing in in any infrastructure at all. It's all you know, one five five millimeter shells for Ukraine. Um. And what are we going to do with these tanks when, whenever – the whole thing is just ridiculous because, yes. well, yeah, we don't, I don't even want to go down that road. But the bottom line is, is, that, um, is that we're subsidizing we're, – we're subsidizing them. And just like you said, we're taking all the losses. It's, I mean, the Ukraine war is just like the uh, recession was. You know when they when they did the bank bailouts, it's it's us subsidizing these people so that way they can take more money from the middle class and, and yes. grow the disparity between these two classes. And uh, you know now don't get me wrong. I mean you know if if Trump wants to hire me for his next administration or RFK or whatever and you know, pay me hundred eighty grand something, then okay yeah. But but the, but the problem is that if you're not in that circle making 200 grand then then you're screwed yes they want to completely eliminate the middle class in affluent western societies just completely just gone completely gone and that what they want to replace it with is um cbdc addled consumer serfs just have like a a, essentially 
essentially a a um a two caste society where you have a bunch of rentiers who um who gather economic rent from a bunch of decaying infrastructure and properties that already exist and the, and also uh gather rent from oh from lime bikes and from uh driverless driverless electric ubers uh whatever the heck uh that they plan on doing um while the rest of us you know essentially have like a, a small stipend every month that that um where they can decide exactly what we spend it on with programmable currency um and also it expires every every month so you, so you can't hoard money uh so essentially you're forced to spend and forced to consume a, a certain specific amount every month they, they what they want is they want to directly control um the velocity of money and that's where this that's where the scam comes from it's just it's i mean Every single time one of these these we've had one of these economic bubbles, one of these like these debt bubbles, um, it has been accelerated by people um, stopping spending. They 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 I mean look at what happened with this this recession in the U.S. back in yeah, just you know right at the start of um, the pandemic. Um, you know they they were they were giving people stimulus checks, and that's not you know to make sure that people are taken care of. That's just to make sure that people are are putting money back into the economy and not, you know, holding their savings close to their chest. That's to encourage people to spend because if well, they were, they were if, upset, if, though. they were upset because, because, and what happened in 2021 after we had had six to nine months of that, we had the, the wall street bets like awesomeness and yes. they freaked out because, because the system got used against them and, and so they were, they were terrified of it. Yes, they um, after the short squeeze, they're like, "Oh wait, wait, this is this is our money printer. You're not supposed to do that." It's um, it's just it's disgusting what they're doing. Um, is just, I mean, I, I it really it, sometimes it shocks me that that more people don't don't really see it. You know, uh, it's 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 such a dark hill to, to be biting down on right because okay you say you get out of the immediate problems that we have right now right there's there's just a, a labyrinth of um terrible terrible decision making trees in front of you that again these people have the edge all the time right so you can you know say we pull apart the nih and the biowarfare etc and this stuff's still coming and the they they can say you know it's all just a conspiracy theory it's not real and most people most people will lap that right up and the reason why they will is because them being able to to get up out of bed and go to work every morning and pay their taxes like good little citizens is entirely dependent on them them holding and maintaining a certain world specific worldview where essentially their governments are moral and trustworthy and would never do anything to harm them deliberately well, exactly and the, just look at but look at look, look at what we're doing like like i see i saw the problem and it was so big when i saw it clearly that i was willing to give up my nice house and i mean i'm only and my 95% of my NBA and all this other crap 
and solely focus on this because I believe it's that important. And that's what they're terrified of. They don't want the population at large to understand what we're trying to tell them because, because then not everybody, but enough people would wake up and be willing to sacrifice because they'd realize what was at stake. So they have no choice but to do everything they possibly can to prevent more people from following me or Kevin or you. Well, I don't know what you do, but but right. Um, but basically, yeah, they're doing everything they can because, and that's why that's why on on Twitter we're still being throttled now, whereas whereas some some stuff is getting through because because ultimately we're the ones they're afraid of because we'll do whatever it takes. Because right. we're, we're continuing to fight. I mean, even when we're deplatformed, demonetized, et cetera, and we're the only ones, like, we're the ones that they're really afraid of. The, the, the sheep, they're just like, okay, whatever. Yeah, they've, they've got them penned already. And um, like I say, you, you yep. just, just think about what happened with how many, how many parents put their kids up for that shot. Right, and just even if um, I don't know, the cancer rates go up ten percent, which seems within the realms of probability at the moment. That's that's kind of what we're seeing, and that's happening to your to the your children. You you've got a whole cohort of people, right? Literally, most of the working population who who have potentially inflicted harm onto their their child and it was easy easy for it to be done right yes and the um yeah the vast majority of the population uh, just went right along with it in a lot of places mm. without much resistance at all no, and no um, resistance dude and the, I wish uh, I wish things were, were different, but th they they know on their end that that they have the forward advantage all the time. Now you know, okay, so you put that into your own calculations, and you say you're not you're never going to save everyone, right? And so right. how how many how many can you get through? Well, you know, between us, if there's I don't know, 20,000 people paying attention, 30, maybe. Um, 30,000 still, you know, not insignificant. Um, hardcore bunch of 30,000 individuals uh, can cause yes. a, lot, a lot of problems. Um, should they, should they say no, right? And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that means storming the city office etc um but you can you can you don't have to have your kids wear headbands right there's still there's still some some leeway but the the problem is you know i i i guess there's this trade off right where you know so, so kids that wear these bands are performing 20 30% better in in right. all subjects, right? Which means that they're the ones that are going to be the I forget the <clears throat> classification in Brave New World, 
right? But epsilons are the f- f- shit here at the bottom, right? right? That's right. <laughs> That's right. They they will use um, studies like that that show benefits to justify just pretty much just about anything. Um, and I think I think that that's that that's another thing that's that's honestly really really disturbing to me is that if you can show a positive public health or or even just individual health outcome from an intervention any conceivable intervention um, then you know that 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 can be a, a grounds for adopting it um, even if if whatever it is is invasive if it destroys privacy if it's unethical. You know, if if they can if they can show there's some benefit on paper, um, they can they can get some bioethicists to write up some justification for doing it. Mm. Well, thank God we still have the FDA. Phew. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, it's wonderful that we have uh, such committed regulators um, keeping tabs yeah, on these things. Yeah, well, why are you so negative, well, Spartacus? The uh, <laughs> if you looked at the um. Just in this last week, right? So you've had the system exposed, literally like um, it'd been opened from groin to neck with a um, laser scalpel, right? And the contents, you know, pulled apart so everyone could see inside and see see all the all the plumbing and how how bad it was. But there's still there's not the outrage beyond the circles that we we pay attention to, right? And yes, it, it just makes me think that you you you're always on a, a sticky or you're on a losing side in in this respect till till the um, I don't know what the that boundary condition looks like if it if you know take the Terminator movie is it just as a metaphor, right? There's, mm-hmm. there's just an, a normal, uh, you know, as we understand it from a human perspective, and then a, a new, a new paradigm is thrust upon us, such that you have no choice but to um, try and survive in in that environment. Um, it could just could just be that um, that new paradigm is one in which it just sucks the the will out of people and um, mm-hmm. does it in a way that makes them makes them happy um and I, the I thing can, about it well, the thing about it is that i mean the way i i see it i mean from my perspective is that how do i how do i put this um you know, there's a, there's a social contract. You know, we, people have a, have a, a reasonable expectation not to have behavioral sciences weaponized against them, not to be treated as um, as, as essentially as like as like machines, as like soft robots with specific inputs and specific outputs, and, and to be tr- treated treated in such a dehumanizing and reductionist way constantly by by our leaders by our our medical infrastructure um and and by by researchers some of whom are are probably well-meaning but don't really realize the implications of 
what they're researching, uh, like like you, uh, for instance, um, or, or didn't realize until it was too late, and they'd already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, no, but it's my issue was is that I I was uh, I was sold on I was going to be riding that gravy train, bro. Yeehaw! Right. I, I was. <laughs> and it's, think about think about just the the armies of intelligent. <laughs> Um, highly qualified and and educated individuals that they are marshalling towards this purpose. That they are that they are. <sighs> it's just it's it's almost exasperating when you think about just how large these institutions are, how many how many people they staff. Um, it's just it, it's mind boggling. You think about like like Tavistock. And you think about um, the people working at at Battelle working on BCIs. And you think about the sheer number of people. It's like it's an army. It's like a it's like the Manhattan Project, and the vast majority of people don't even realize that this even exists. Mm, yeah, Be, because they're it, it working is dependent on them remaining ignorant. Well, I, I would I would just expand. Uh, what you said about it's not just behavioral sciences it's it's literally every branch of science and engineering right now that is being poured into this um <clears throat> paradigm and whether it's molecular biology to the um robotics to the computing all of it looks i don't know maybe i'm just an old curmudgeon <laughs> and it's my... i think <laughs> The reason why we find this stuff so repulsive is because we still have some expectation deep down to be treated as human beings. You know what I mean? To actually to actually be be treated as equals by our leaders, to not be to not be looked down upon like a a laboratory specimen. And and, and that's a very very reasonable expectation. It's a, it's not a big ask. To be to be treated like a human being, you know, and and the fact that they're willing to dehumanize people to this extent, forcing people to wear masks, psychologically abusing people, gaslighting them, lying to them on a constant basis, injecting them with poison, and then telling them that it's for their own good. This this is this is not something that. I mean, I wouldn't do this stuff to my worst enemy. You no, know, I don't know. Is, I, I, I can think of a few. This so. is all anti-science. There's some. <laughs> there's some who I would uh, stick stick the uh, brain probes in. Now, now you, uh, <laughs> you try those behaviours, and you know, I I don't know what I was watching. Someone put it in the Discord, and it, it's like a. I don't, what's the name of this movie that's going round about um, child trafficking? Um, uh, uh, sound freedom, freedom or whatever it, yeah. yeah so I, it it was the actor on there and um you know, he's, he's, yeah and he's describing i want to say it was bannon's war room actually it was it was like a sort of phone someone had put the phone in front of the screen recorded it so it wasn't wasn't great quality but apparently right he was he was making out that there was um there are literal trade in body parts, right? Like a barrel, 50-gallon drum, right? And so you can fill that with oil. 
and get $70. Or you can fill it with organs, parts, stuff from kids, etc. And it's worth $77,000. Look, man, I don't know. It's such a dark, dark side of human existence that um, I know it's there. I'll I'll do everything to protect uh, mine. But um, he was... I don't know about the veracity of these figures. I don't know how much is sort of geared towards, um, you know, sort of psychologically pumping up the uh, the religious right in, in this particular instance. I, I have no idea. But he made the claim that it was like a $150 billion industry. So I don't know how many beings and kids you could chop up and put in a 50-gallon drum. <coughs> I'd imagine it's oh, quite man. a bit. Yeah, it's um, human trafficking is a huge, huge industry worldwide. It's not, I mean, not just sex trafficking, organ trafficking, trafficking for labor. I mean, there are more people enslaved now when when it's illegal than there have been at any point in human history mm-hmm. before now. And I mean, they have they have so migrant. Migrant laborers, they confiscate their passports and have them live in these teeny tiny little dormitories uh, working on great big construction projects in the Middle East. It's, it's ridiculous. Um, and the thing about it is that, I mean, for some of these, it's just when you think about the, uh, the sheer amount of money that's being spent here, it's like, who can afford a human being? Certainly not you or I. It's, uh, I mean, we're talking about rich people here. Like really, really, really uber rich people paying for human beings. Mm. It's like the the, the 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 wealthy are the primary customers here. Yeah, we're looking at you, rich people. We're coming to eat you. <laughs> it's, but I, I don't know. It, it's well, you know, what popped into so, my someone? Mind? Someone said, put a number on it. Um, you know, well, it, like, it, he said $150 billion in organ trafficking, right? I mean, by a human being, we're talking about like between 10, 10 and $50,000. It's, it's more than most people can afford. It's, yeah. I mean, first of all, someone has to have a very, very sick mindset to want to purchase another human being, I think. But, and really, you know, when you think about it, the kinds of people who are doing this are just like really super shady to begin with. They they have it's not just a matter of having the money, it's also having access to the trafficking network itself and knowing knowing people in it. Well, um, um most people don't don't have those contacts for a very very good reason. Right. And the other aspect is that it takes time to warp someone into into that state of mind where you can do that so it starts from childhood another thing i should mention is that human beings are actually worth way way more as organs than as a whole human being yeah vastly more i mean if you if you part out a human being uh successfully that's that's like literally hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars worth of parts 
Um, but but a whole human being, like if if someone's just paying like paying for a migrant laborer or a sex slave or whatever the heck, we're talking about like just tens of thousands of dollars. So in in human trafficking terms, I mean organs are vastly more valuable. Just there's no, I mean there's no comparison there. It's just a huge difference. Um, successfully so extracting inspirational. so inspirational gosh <laughs> successfully extracting and preserving those organs um it requires skill you know we're talking about you know we're not talking about just some guy who just picked up a scalpel and and decided hey, i'm gonna have at her we're talking about about underground you know doctors and surgeons it's actually like this entire industry and econo- a hidden economy that people don't even realize exists well you know that's something that i don't want to think about <laughs> yes. um it's so it's so repugnant um Ch- china china has been parting out political prisoners since like forever yeah and it's not just it's not just in china it's everywhere it's um I mean, this stuff is everywhere. It's really, really disturbing. Um, you ever see that um, that clip? Um, it's it's kind of they've made it really hard to find for some reason. Um, you know the 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 one um, like after the the earthquake in Haiti, the uh, the corneas. No, you you didn't see that one. No. Um, let me let me see. Uh, so, uh, so, so, so this I, I don't is, know why is that, supposed to, is that supposed to be a pun or I'm confused. No, 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 no. no. Um, so, but Charles, you're definitely not using the road mic, dude. It must be your headset. You're, you're too oh, well, quiet. Stepped, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jesus. <laughs> I stepped away from the mic, Jesus. Good Lord. I don't, I don't know why this is why it's so hard. Um, sorry, what did you say? Oh, you're still, you're looking for the the cornea clip. Um, I'm still looking for it. It's it's it is really really hard. It's actually censored directly from. Um, I mean, you cannot find it directly. Good. Um, on on YouTube YouTube search, it's suppressed there. It's suppressed on both Google and DuckDuckGo. I actually had to resort to using friggin' Yandex to find yeah. it. Um, here we go. Um, <laughs> this reporter—it's <laughs> just—I—I'm sorry. I—I find—I mean, this is really, really sickening stuff. But I—but I, I mean, what can you do except laugh at this? Because this this extremely naive reporter, um, is is standing around in this essentially like a field hospital kind of a deal that's been that's been set up in in some building somewhere. Um, and, uh, she, she says, I, look at this, I found a, a box of corneas that they're not doing cornea transplants here. These are corneas that some people lovingly donated. And she, <laughs> it's, it's one minute long. I'll, I'll switch the amplifier over so you can listen. And then, um, on this cheery note, <laughs> I'll go and, uh, puke in the toilet. So, all right. Tell me if you can hear this. The operating room is rudimentary. They just yeah. sort of invented it. It's working. 
Yes. yes. They, they, they put in a bunch of kitchen tables and put in what equipment they could. There is no technology. Nothing deep. There is no monitor. They have no blood. They have no oxygen. Yet in these 30 surgeries, not a single person has died. So that really is pretty incredible. These surgeons and anesthesiologists and nurses are working around the clock. They are sleeping underneath those tables. It is just the most incredible thing that I've ever seen. But here's, the, here's what's going on, Tony, that some people are, you know, people are finding pretty frustrating. Is that with all of these hard times, they are getting, they're not getting the, the equipment that they need. For example, if you can guess, you know what they're using for a tourniquet, they were using a belt. They're using a belt. And here's the belt, it broke. So they're not using it anymore. Now they're using a garden hose. Tony? Oh boy. Uh, are you, do you have any idea? Of, of the time frame for that location where you are right now, set up by the UN, to get more supplies for the doctors who are performing these surgeries. Well, you know what's interesting, Tony, is they don't need more supplies, they need the right supplies. So on the one hand, they don't have tourniquets, and they have two blood pressure cups for 200 patients. But on the other hand, here's what they do have. Sorry, I they have corneas. Yes, these are actual corneas from cadavers that people lovingly donated, you know, find their organ part. And they have corneas. They're, they're not doing cornea surgery here. They're barely able to do amputations. Yeah, so, I mean, no one knows how these ended up here. I found them underneath the table next to a, a box of granola bars. Uh, it's just crazy. All right, wow. all right, all right. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Oh man! Oh my God! Wow! Just, just found it like under a coffee table somewhere. Yeah. It's a box. Of, I found a box of corneas here. They're not doing cornea surgeries here. Corneas that someone lovingly donated. <laughs> oh my God! And the, the anchor sees this, and you can see him like turning really pale. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, uh, I have oh, no man. words. What a, what a way to end, man. You bring the black pills all the time. <laughs> to, to race between that you I and do. Nick. Bring the black <laughs> licorice. <laughs> apparently, I, apparently, I need to bring more black pills because, wow. Man. I'm getting blown away right uh, now. I'm just, oh, uh, it, it, she just needed to read out the address, right? Right, <laughs> right. Diesenkel Street, Tel Aviv. <laughs> 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 oh man! <laughs> yeah, and uh, like I say, I I don't want to get sucked into these, um, especially around the kid thing and the 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 rightful outrage it should um it it should cause. But you know, I I want to say that one of the guys who actually funded the movie is a mexican guy apparently mm. slim something like that yeah carlos slim carlos slim healer yeah apparently yeah. he's he's got a reputation for being involved in all this fucking human trafficking and uh corneas sent to uh <laughs> earthquake zones i mean i don't know i mean i'm just i, I i'm i barely you know i'll look through my fingers at the at the scream of this stuff, but it wouldn't surprise me that that's that's what you would get, right? That they it's so they're so perverse that they would get off on um, telling you what they're doing. 
Right. Right. Well, I mean, when, I mean, he's worth a hundred billion dollars or something. So it's it's not like he controls all different stuff. But like, of course, all of this stuff is incestuous. So yes, does BlackRock fund some decent things somewhere on planet Earth? Yeah, probably. But that doesn't mean that they're not Satan. Mm. So, mm. right. So. Uh, that's a poignant note on which to leave it. <laughs> Bionic penis whipped out by excited. Oh, sorry. Getting, getting sidetracked on uh, WTYL. We're on the Discord. Uh, yeah, I think All that's right. spam. Um, uh, I don't know who that is. Usually. I don't know. Yeah, I don't uh, think we can. I don't think we can. We can top. We can't. I don't think we can top the box of corneas right now. No. So. <laughs> that was neat. So, to me, so thanks once again for for bringing the light and the joy back to our lives <laughs> with uh, right and stuff. <laughs> Always appreciate it. Like well, all I all I do is like dig through the darkness, but and you dig through different darkness. It's almost like you. Well, the, you know the light here, Charles. Scary. The light is that no one died. They they gave those corneas gladly without anesthesia. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm sure they were all donated. Yeah. <laughs> what the... All right, all right. I'm gonna end end the call and uh, get to, get to bed. Um, hey, it's been great as always, guys. Yes. Take Thank care of yourselves. You too, bro. Um, careful where you go swimming on the internet. That's all I say. Right. <laughs> Jesus. All right, take care, guys. Later. Bye, Charles. All right. Um, yeah, I can't top that. Um, <laughs> oh. I want to say thank you to... Uh, there was a couple of donos. Um, Kat, um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Much, much appreciated. And uh, White Lung Kung Fu with the pesos. I'm just going to call it quits on that one. Um, kind of... <laughs> The soundboard seems uh, somewhat trite after just watching that. So, all right, take care. And um, if you enjoyed this, please uh, think about supporting McCandojo.com. All the support links are there. And I will see you uh, in the next one. Take care, God bless. Bro, you don't know how angry I am. You do, I'm like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off. After reading that little line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these gaffers. I will fucking kill each fucking gaffer. I swear. <laughs> this is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually saying. Fuck these gaffers. No fucking vaccine or MRA or ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never. No. I will fucking die. Fucking fighting for my fucking bees and my fucking forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. All them five. This guy. Fuck these gaffers.